Hi, everyone. I'm Blake Bartlett, and I'm a partner here at OpenView. As a VC firm, we invest in software companies and help them grow faster. This season on the Build podcast, we're talking about product-led growth. Each week, I sit down with operators to hear firsthand how they've put their product at the center of user acquisition, conversion, and expansion. Now, on with the show. Today's episode is all about the people side of product-led growth. In this episode, we'll hear from Jason Mills, the Director of Product and Customers at Expensify. OpenView is an investor in Expensify, and we've been working with Jason and his team for almost five years now. It's been awesome to see firsthand how Expensify has delabored its sales, success, and support efforts while decentralizing product management across the organization. I have no doubt that you'll learn a lot from Jason today. Well, Jason, thanks so much for joining us here on the Build Podcast. It's great to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me join. Now, we're going to jump into all things product-led growth, talking about sales, success, support, and what that looks like within product-led growth. But I guess before we do that, we'd love to hear more about Expensify and what makes Expensify unique, just for the benefit of our listeners. I think what makes Expensify unique is really a combination of things. First and foremost, it's probably worth mentioning that expense reporting process itself is kind of unique because expenses and expense reports, they're inherently viral, right? By their very nature, you're sharing your expenses with someone else that's really more important than you, unless you're the CEO. Basically, the nature of expenses and expense reporting is something that's unique. Maybe what makes Expensify unique in our space, whether you're looking at receipt tracking or expense reporting, is that we take advantage of this inherent dynamic with expenses and receipts, and we wrap that up in a freemium and bottom-up model. And so these are kind of two buzzwords I just used. What do they mean, right? Really, freemium for us means you have an unlimited trial for free. There's not going to be a time period at which, hey, you're seven or you're 14 or you're 30 or, you know, whatever amount of days it is terminates. And so I think that makes us really different than everyone else in the expense reporting and receipt management space. In addition, we focus a lot on bottom up. And what that means is that we spend a ton of time on the product side, on the customer facing side to encourage employees to use our product. And it doesn't matter to us whether or not some decision maker buys in from day one. And so employees can use our product for free forever. Now, it's mostly in a manual way, and they can upgrade if they want to pay and unlock time-saving features. Maybe a common feature we have is called Smart Scan. It just basically scans all the information off their receipts. You don't have to enter that information. And I think maybe the last thing I would say, in addition to basically expense reporting being unique and kind of freemium and butting up, being unique for Expensify would be that we do not have a sales team. We don't have a team that cold calls leads to drum up interest and speed up conversion. In fact, really for most of our history, we haven't engaged as well in, in outbound marketing or advertising. Now, of course, elephant in the room, we did do a huge Super Bowl campaign just a little bit ago. And so stay tuned to this space, but that's not really the history for most of Expensify. I expect us to probably dig deeper in a lot of these topics. So I'll stop now on kind of what makes Expensify unique. Perhaps I should also just give the audience a little introduction into myself, kind of what I do at Expensify and other things of this nature. 
Yeah, that would be great. I know that you've worn in your eight years at Expensify a lot of different hats. So yeah, I would love to hear what that looks like today, but also a little bit of that journey and everything that you've been up to. Yeah, any role that you think of, I've probably done at Expensify. I've been here going on eight years now, which is definitely a big milestone for me that I'm proud of. Right now, I focus mostly on product and customers. In fact, I'm one of the directors at Expensify. I've seen a ton of things from obviously our initial focus on the US market, more recent years, kind of our stellar growth in the UK especially, but also broader Europe, as well as the Asia Pacific, particularly Australia, New Zealand countries and markets. And really, our model is working equally well in all these places. Like, of course, you need to think global and act local. But I think the key parts of our product and company, they're very transferable, really, no matter where Expensify is. And I know that you, for a long time, have been leading sales and support and success at the company. And we'll jump into that in a second. But first, I wanted to take a quick detour to product, because I know the way that Expensify thinks about product from a team perspective, product management perspective, is perhaps a bit unique from the way that the average product team might operate. Could you just maybe outline that a little bit for folks? Yeah, sure. So I think you're right. We don't exactly have product managers. We do have a lot of people that manage the product. And so I think really how we think about it is, look, the majority of product management originates from interactions with our customers, with our users. And so we would say that those closest to customers tend to do the most product management and that it's always a balance, right, between, of course, what a customer wants and really what their demands are and maybe how that sometimes differs or isn't looking far enough into the future for what our vision is for Expensify the company and the product. But that doesn't really change the fact that anyone at Expensify has the ability to manage the product because all ideas are equal, right? And great ideas don't just come from a team called quote-unquote product. And so really how this all works in practice is that we've developed a very simple, what we call the design doc process. It gives anyone the tools to participate and share in the product. It just requires defining a problem, whether that problem is tactical, whether it's strategic, using that problem statement then to really inform the solution that we need to bring to bear, whether it's like, hey, this part of the product is just confusing and we need to change the UX, right? The user experience. Maybe the toughest part is then it's on you to convince the company. You would share this document out to the entire company and convince everyone that, yes, this is something that we should be doing now that's worth it and that has a good solution. So that's kind of how it works. That's one of my favorite things about Expensify is just the fact that really everybody is a product manager in Mm -hmm. the sense that everybody owns the product, everybody has responsibility for the product. You know, I think a lot of companies talk about, yeah, well, we're product led or we're product focused or product oriented or whatever it may be. But Expensify takes it a dramatic step further, which is that product is really the core of everything and every process inside the company. And you see it manifest in the fact that everybody effectively can contribute to the product roadmap. And it's kind of this concept of an idea marriage autocracy as it pertains to product, which is just amazing. Yeah. And I mean, obviously having it work in practice is not always, you know, smooth and seamless, but I think our approach is to embrace a little bit of the messiness because we believe that the ultimate product is better as a result. So now your title today is the director of product and customers. So, you know, we'll leave the product part aside for just a second and do a deep dive into the customer side. So how do users discover Expensify? And you alluded to it a bit at the beginning of the conversation, but how do they discover Expensify? And who are those initial adopters inside of a company? Well, they're frankly people that are frustrated, probably pissed off with receipts and even maybe this whole concept of expense management. And so they find us by seeking us out. They hear about us from friends. Maybe they see someone taking a picture of a receipt using our app. And so I think that's really an important point to stress is that 
anyone who has a receipt needs Expensify. It doesn't matter if it's a paper receipt, an email, another type of financial document. And so these people discover us because they're looking for us. They're looking for a way to simplify their finances and organize their financial life. Maybe they find us by searching expense report or receipt scanning in Google. Again, I already mentioned the friend thing, but then there's the standard things like mobile app stores, et cetera. And so I think that's a key thing is that Expensify is designed to be found. It's designed to connect with people who are frustrated. And so with that in mind, it's really no coincidence that our original tagline was even expense reports that don't suck, right? We expect people who are just like, oh, I hate this, but I need something. And so we had a tagline that really tried to speak to those people and help them understand that we solved their problem even before they signed up for our product. And I think maybe talking about this concept of everyone needs Expensify, over the years, we've just realized that it's broader than expense reports. And so that's why we even changed our tagline recently to you weren't born to do expenses. You referenced the fact that expenses in general are inherently viral, right? You have an expense or an expense report, you need to submit that to somebody else to approve it, and then eventually it gets reimbursed to you. But I know that you also do a lot to proactively seed the virality and to drive that virality. Can you talk about some of those things that you guys have done and experiments you've run and things that have worked? It's something that we continue to work on, always tweaking, always trying to change and make a little bit better. And so maybe we've learned that our user base is much broader than we initially realized. Certainly, most of our company's success has come from the company case. So we're talking about employees, we're talking about managers, even accountants. Particularly the last two to three years, we've really doubled down on this part of the product called concierge. And concierge is really designed to solve the problem that we solve, making onboarding work when you have lots of different groups of users. Also, we want to convert, right? As many of those as possible. And that's where Concierge comes in. It's just a product manifest. And it's the first thing that we want people to see and experience. In fact, Concierge even asks you a question on the signup page, like, hey, how would you like to sign up? And it just goes from there when you get into the product itself. Concierge is asking you a perhaps a little wordy question, but as simple as possible. It's like, hey, welcome. I'm Concierge. I'm here to help you set up your Expensify account. And to get started, what are you trying to do? And we just keep it to four simple options. It's like, hey, I'm here to track spending, right? You're kind of like individual case that maybe is just using things to really make your receipt collection process easier at tax time. Or you're submitting receipts, right? You're kind of like that bottom-up model. You're that employee that just wants to have an easier way that's not paper-based or Excel-based to get receipts onto your manager or accountant. There is the flip of that, which is the top down. It's just like, hey, you're an accountant, you're a controller, whatever it happens to be, and you want to collect receipts from others. And then fourth and finally is you want full-blown expense management. You want to control expenses. That's the fourth option. And so I think obviously concierge and kind of this contextualized onboarding process is something that we still need to continue to improve. But I think it's something that really helps set people on the right path and then I guess the second part of the question, right, is virality and mapping the org. As a reminder, expenses are inherently viral. And so some of the things we do after we ask you these questions to make sure that we at least can ask you an even better question after we understand what you're trying to do is like, let's take the example of submitting receipts. You're an employee trying to, you know, obviously explore Expensify and maybe your company will one day use Expensify. And we ask for your work email. Now, everyone asks for your work email. A ton of products ask for it on the sign-in page and et cetera. But I think one thing we do to incentivize, we give you a nice incentive to enter your work email. It's that then it allows you to find others in your company, and then it gives you a ready-made template 
that you can copy over into your account such that you don't have to do any setup for the expense reporting process. It's like one click and everything you need that's going to be totally compliant with accounting, someone else has actually already done for you. We can help you copy that over. So I think that's something that, number one, helps us build the case internally, right? It's like there's tons of employees using Expensify and or these employees introduce us to the accountant or the controller or the CFO. And going back to the concierge example, when you first sign up, you're met with concierge, asks you a question, what are you here to do? Four options. It's kind of a choose your own adventure situation here. Now, if I pick one option versus another option, what happens next? Because you don't have four different products, right? Yeah. So basically what happens next is, again, in that submit receipts example, just to go back to that, then we're actually going to ask you information that both helps you get set up, but then also helps us know a little bit more about your company, whether others are using Expensify, right? Whether there's someone that actually continues to have expenses sent to them. And so we can just automatically copy that over as well. If it's collecting receipts, really, that's the top-down case, right? That's someone that wants to set up their entire company. And so in that scenario, what happens next is then we're going to ask you, okay, cool. Well, you know, like, how do approvals work for your company? What kind of rules do you want to enforce? Do you have billable expenses? And someone that clicks track spending or submit receipts, they're just never going to see any of these options because, frankly, they're completely irrelevant to them. Got it. So it's one product, but since there are different users and different user roles within that, you could be the finance person who's the admin of the account, who cares about the expense policy, cares about integrating it into the accounting package, cares about all of those things that are oriented towards collection or control, then great, we're going to highlight that sort of onboarding flow or that aspect of the product and ask you those appropriate relevant questions because you're going to embody this particular role within the product. But if you're just submitting expenses, then all you care about is the most efficient way to get those off your plate and into somebody else's inbox. And so you're going to highlight things like smart scan and other things that are more helpful to the individual end user who is processing expenses for their own benefit. Yeah, that's exactly right. The reason that we've taken this approach is that it's very easy to get bogged down into the weeds. Like expenses and receipts can be really deceptively complex. And so this is our way of, yeah, if you go and search out the bells and whistles and, you know, the bowels of settings, then yes, you can find all these things. But our whole design is that you really never have to go there. So as this journey is happening and unfolding simultaneously for multiple users, it sounds like within a particular company, how does that ultimately culminate in a conversion? What drives that or catalyzes that conversion event from a bunch of individual free users inside the account to now, all right, we're going to standardize and we're going to go all in on Expensify? Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty simple. Nothing really mind-blowing here. It's like, at a certain point, we have a critical mass of employees, almost like a virus, right? There's a patient zero, and then patient zero infects someone else in the org, and it basically just infects and infects. And so we have enough employees that effectively are using the product that accounting really can't deny us. One important thing about expense reporting as well is it's something that pretty much everyone in the company has to use at least once, at least some of the time. Like, yes, there's going to be a core group of users, typically those on marketing or sales or really anyone else who's traveling quite a bit in the company. They're going to use it all the time, every month. But I think that's important because once we get enough people, it doesn't matter you know, if you're a casual user or if you're like a hardcore power user, it's really hard for finance. It's a small team typically in the company. Everyone is basically using it. They want it. And most actually, even some of our biggest enterprise customers, the way that we've been adopted and rolled out is like, it was just something that became so big, it was impossible to ignore. That's when a company moves from a bunch of employees using us for free to a company that's actually 
officially using us and paying for all those employees to use Expensify. For the specific catalyst, is it they eventually raise their hand because the virus has spread so dramatically with inside their organization mm-hmm. that they just say, all right, I got to sign up for this thing? Or yeah. is there anything that you're doing to reach out proactively and tell them, hey, by the way, you have 50 people using Expensify, just so you know. I mean, what's the role there versus it happening organically versus something that you guys are catalyzing? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good distinction. I think both happen. Really, they've happened for many, many years now. Of course, we are doing a lot more to catalyze exactly when that happens. And frankly, hopefully that it happens faster. We are increasing conversions faster. And really, I don't know if there's really one thing. There's a ton of things that we do, each of which adds up to faster conversion. Concierge is a big part of it. We've also, much like the idea of concierge is to simplify the product almost to trick you into setting up a lot of settings that you will need without requiring you to have to learn exactly where they live in the product. We also have this concept of the inbox. And I think inbox is the other key piece that has allowed us to increase conversion. So like when that accountant gets things submitted to them, of course, they're going to receive emails from concierge. And we're big on, you don't need fancy emails, a lot of HTML, just simple plain text emails. They convert super well. And we found they convert better than HTML. And then we just get you back into the product, right? So I think once we have you there, then we have your full attention. And that's where the inbox kicks in. It's like, hey, this is super easy for you. Here are like the four people that have expenses that need to be approved. And by the way, if you click this button, we can automatically get into your accounting system. So I'm not sure if I have an amazing answer for you because I think it's just a lot of little product tweaks and kind of user engagement that all add up to something magical. Now, what is the role of the salesperson in this overall customer journey? I guess I would repeat, no sales team, no sales team. (laughs) But it's no sales team in the traditional sense of what most people think of of sales, but there are still people with the title of sales at Expensify. And so how is that different than your average software company? Yeah, it's a good question. So I think the first and most obvious is there's no commission-based sales role at Expensify. And in fact, we consider ourselves more an onboarding team than anything else. Like I think people would self-identify more with onboarding than they would with sales. Maybe we're talking semantics here, but I think the fact that the people that talk with these users and onboard these users, this comes back to like the unique part of product at Expensify. They're super involved in that initial onboarding flow and how we actually design improvements back into the product so that, frankly, they are repeating themselves less and less. Is this sales? Is this support? You know, you can kind of call it really whatever you want. I think the nature of this role is understanding that the product should always be the first line of defense. And there are parts where the product fails. And so that's where this role steps in. And again, maybe this is semantical. It's much more a combination of sales and support to maybe use those titles because some of it might be just no one really wants to be sold here. They already signed up. They're trying to use the product. They just got stuck. We have millions of users. Our onboarding team is 15 people. And so I think that is maybe a good data point to really contextualize how much this role is about investing back into the product and how much these people are also responsible for that. It's almost kind of just another example of how Expensify flips the script on just about everything in my mind. And so here, when you have somebody who's in the funnel, what do you want as the company? You want them to convert and you want to sell them the product. But what do they want? They want to be helped and they want to be onboarded and they want to get value. And I think most people will just default towards what do I want versus what do they want. And you guys have 
very aggressively gone towards in all things Expensify, including in this customer journey and the role of quote unquote sales is much more orienting towards what do they want? What does the customer want? How can we help them get to where they want to be? How can we help them and support them versus how do we just get that next sale and get that commission check? Yeah, exactly. And obviously like that part doesn't even exist here. And so I think the motivation for the team is obviously the fun of getting to improve the product, but also to get rid of the annoyance. I guess I just truly believe that I don't know that anyone wants to get on a phone or chat with a user and repeat the same convo over and over, day in and day out. And so I think there's a real motivation to remove confusion because obviously you're not going to get paid more if you're salaried. And two, it's like, well, you get to actually spend your time on maybe what you consider to be more value-adding things for the company. Now, could you give us maybe one or two examples? I'm sure there's an infinite number of examples, but maybe one or two of your favorites of where, you know, somebody who is customer facing like a sales support or success person identifies some of this kind of own personal annoyance or frustration (laughs) and says, you know what, I want to automate this away. And then that becomes a feature improvement in the product. Just to make that real for listeners, is there any example you can point to? Yeah, it's it's definitely a good question. And I think my initial reaction is like, whoa, I'm confused because there's so many. I think we really nail from product simplicity perspective, kind of the receipt scanning experience. But when it comes to particularly, you know, an accountant or a controller CFO, like when the decision maker needs to set up the product, approval workflows can actually be really complex. And so the customers that have true complexity, obviously public companies tend to have more complexity in this, but the vast majority of customers, really they fall into like three use cases. And so our original approach in the product was you have this table and you know it's kind of like, hey, this person submits to that person and then maybe they receive a report they have to approve. And so it was just a super complicated, very power heavy way, but it didn't really work for the majority that well. And so we were spending a lot of our time actually telling people how to set themselves up. And so what we've done is now we've brought that into both concierge onboarding in the inbox. And there's just three options. And they literally work for at least 80% of our users. So they don't really have to go to this crazy, super configurable table that's going to work great if they turn into a thousand person company, but it's only if. So the majority of customers grow, but they grow very slowly. And so I think that's an important example maybe to provide to our listeners here. And what are those three options? If you whittle it down from this complex matrix table down to only three, what are those three? The first is, look, people don't want any approvals. All they want is employees to just share a receipt. Maybe that's even a sole proprietor in the gig economy, someone that's self-employed. And they just want to get their receipts to their account. And there's like no approvals. This is just about sharing. Actually, that's the first and by far the most common is no approvals at all. And we've changed the language to just really focus on share instead of approve because approved is not how the user's thinking about it. The second would be I want to share with my accountant, but then I want them to basically approve it. This works really well in a small business because the accountant might even be the president of the company, but they still want to see everything before they approve it and pay it. The final would be more common for like a small business to maybe a mid-sized company. And they typically have a process where an employee submits to a manager, like a department head, someone that maybe oversees a budget. And then after that person approves that, then it just goes to the finance team. So it's really those three and only those three that account for at least 80% of how people are configuring the product. I love that. I mean, I think a lot of people refer to something like Occam's race or the Pareto principle, and it's kind of this cool, sophisticated thing to refer to, but it doesn't really go beyond an internal meme that you use. You guys are actually applying it every single day. And this is a practical example, and it makes a ton of sense. 
Yeah, definitely. Wanted to do a little bit of a deep dive into some support-specific questions, because I know you guys have tackled this at scale in a really excellent way. But I guess before we get into some of the specifics on support for a large user base, how many users are there? What's just the size and scale of the Expensify customer base? I think this is one of those funny things because it's millions, but honestly, like I quit counting. Like, is it six? I think it's over six. It's basically so much that I don't know if it's something that we really focus on as a company day to day. Yeah, but it's at least six million, right? Yeah. And there's 120 something, 130 something employees at Expensify. So, really, a relatively small team for a massive, massive user base that's also incredibly diverse in terms of geographies and industries and user types and, you know, you name it. So, how do you tackle, you know, and scale support to such a large and diverse customer base with such a small team on your side? Well, I think the easy and obvious answer to repeat is that, look, the support team is a huge part of product as well, because there's just a ton of things that people also get confused on and ask to be helped on day in and day out. And that's kind of, to me, at least the traditional distinction for support, right? It's like someone reaches out to you. You don't reach out proactively, but then you're there to help them. And so I think not in all companies, but there's certainly a traditional silo that support might have. Understanding a ton about where the product breaks down but maybe not being as empowered to like actually fix and be part of the product management. And so I think, look, I'm just going to mention that again because it's, it's easy and it's very true. And I think as a result of that, that kind of feeds into the second one, which is, look, an extremely small percentage of our user base reaches out and needs our support. And frankly, I would say a good, good portion of that is things that aren't necessarily totally in our control. We are a product that's tightly integrated with financial systems, with banks, and certainly there's some control on our side, but there's also another variable that we just can't control at all. And we find that actually a lot of our support is actually directed not necessarily at Expensify itself. It's actually directed at when Expensify doesn't work as perfectly as users expect with something else, and maybe that's Expensify's fault, maybe that's someone else's fault. Not that the fault really matters here. It's just that means that users have to reach out. Third and final is that we've invested a lot in concierge is also a support tool for our company. How much of what you do is one-to-one versus one-to-many versus kind of automated through some kind of chatbot interface? And so let's dive into that through concierge. We're still trying to really nail like, how do you at once have the product manifest and that's concierge, but then it's also where you get support as well. And so I think we're actively discussing like, is that the right approach? Should we change it? But taking that as a constant for now, the way we think about concierge, I think is a couple fold. First is we really started with automation and it was automation. I'm not going to use the terms, you know, AI or anything like that. We're trying to solve the fact that particularly when you look at a support perspective. There are many user inputs, right? And user inputs are just the types of questions that users write in about. And then taking those inputs and trying to train a fuzzy matching algorithm, we call it fuzzy bot, to predict effectively which of our save replies will be the most likely that should be used. And so we've done a ton of work on this. We basically got it to a point where Our most common customer queries, the ones that come at scale and that risk clogging up another user getting answered more quickly, those are predicted by concierge and a response is recommended. Now, I will clarify, we don't automatically reply from a lot of customer inquiries yet that needs to be confirmed and sent by a person. It's only really, really super cut and dry cases like, to give you an example, 
the product sees that you've like uploaded the exact same expense twice. It's going to be like, hey, I think this was an accident. I'm going to go ahead and put that in your deleted folder. And so those are completely automated. But, you know, really the wide variety of questions, like that's where we use automation augmented by basically uh, a person's confirmation. Got it. Now, if you rewind the tapes to, you know, Expensify, you know, in its earlier days, and I ask this because a lot of the founders that I talk to are exactly there, right? They've been running their company and their product's been out there in the market for maybe two, three years. It's really starting to hit this inflection point where, you know, growth and adoption by users is really starting to scale, especially in product-like growth models where, you know, it's really focused on building the product and trying to be as scalable and delabored as possible. But then now it's starting to work, right? And so on the one hand, that's really good. You know, your startup's working, your product is resonating with the audience, with users. But on the other hand, you're like, "Uh uh-oh, I have 10 people on my team. Two of them are support people. How am I even going to do this? Do I just have to go hire an army of people? Do I go get some AI technology? Like, what do I do? So now that's part and parcel to being a startup. But, you know, if based on all of your learnings of one-to-one, one-to-many, some automation, things like that, what kind of advice would you give to somebody who finds themselves in that position? I would stress, don't rush one-to-many. Actually, having a lot of one-to-one context is, I think, super important in the early days. In fact, so much so that I would just share a story that everyone in Expensify, actually, even to this day, but in the early days, everyone did support, and they did a lot of it. Then instead of two people, you have the entire human capital resources of the company. Today, we do, for instance, three a day. If you're not on the support team, you're still, no matter what part of the company, answering three customer inquiries a day. So that is something that I think has also helped us scale. It's like, yes, we have a small support team, but we also get quite a bit of people that help out. The second I would say, I think we were super late to really learn the importance of a community. We were like, oh, there's just going to be like a ton of negativity. It's going to require more work. But I think it's just a tried and true formula of one to many, and it works super well. The other thing I guess I would say finally in closing would be, I think it's actually really important to think of support as like an integral part of your product. We actually have a whole product management function around supporting users because we believe it's a key part and tightly integrated into our product and it's going to become even more. Product is a huge one-to-many resource that I think really no one can forget. And the more you can actually contextualize and automate some of the support that you might otherwise have by just building it into the training and communication in the product, really the better. We do a lot more one-to-many support interaction with our customers than we do one-to-one. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that idea of using the product as you know a component of in the front lines of support and customer interaction and using that to your benefit versus viewing product and viewing support as two completely separate different functional groups or sort of efforts inside of a company. I mean, that's kind of a transformational way of thinking. I like it. So my last question for you is, what are some of the big things that we can all expect to see from Expensify in 2019. You obviously alluded to it, or you, you kind of said the big thing that's already happened, which is the Super Bowl campaign. So maybe say a little bit more about that and then talk about kind of what else we can be looking forward to this year. Well, if you haven't seen our Super Bowl commercial, expensifythis.com, I mean, I found it super enjoyable. Even when the company saw the rough cut, it was like, wow, 
this is super high quality and amazing. So certainly check that out. The organic funnel is a key part of our product and company. But you know, we want people to know about us, our values, our brand. And I think kind of what you've seen with the Super Bowl and also the Grammys as well is we're going to be coming out a lot more and we want people to know a lot more about us. So there's going to be a lot of advertising and marketing initiatives. Then it's kind of just the same old, same old. Like we have a pretty strong roadmap this year. A lot of it's focused on embracing bank APIs, internationalizing the product. This is all just vanilla stuff. We have really cool stuff that we're not yet ready to share, but it's definitely intended to be a wow factor like Super Bowl was. You know, Expensify has been around now for 10 going on 11 years, but it feels like the momentum is just starting to build (laughs) and uh, we're just getting going. So I have no doubt that the rest of 2019 and many years beyond are going to be really exciting based on this 10, 11 year foundation that you've built. So it's exciting. The future is bright and I I couldn't be more thrilled to see it unfold. So thanks for taking the time here today, Jason. This has been fantastic. Yeah, thank you as well. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you won't miss an episode. And please give us a five-star rating while you're at it. Outside of podcasts, we produce content daily on OpenView Labs. And you can also follow us on Twitter at OpenView Venture and subscribe to our newsletter that is sent out to over 100,000 SaaS operators every Saturday morning. You can do this by going to openviewpartners.com slash newsletter. See you next time.